steps, it's avoiding tourists, it's shaly. One minute your feet are slipping from you, the next minute you're slipping on rock, then there's jagged slates. It's just, it's- Confusing almost. It is confusing. You're tired and you're just thinking, right, that's it. Come on, we're heading for home. You're trying to get yourself jade up for the next five miles because um, I think it was Anya said to me, um, her mum, Tish McCann, was trying to describe the race. And she said, Anya, it's one race, maybe it's the only race that you will doubt your ability to get to the finish. That, my friend, was Sarah Hannah. And this is the Inspirational Runners Podcast. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. My name's Robbie Marsh and I'm your host, so welcome to the podcast. We're keeping with the mountain theme this week. We have a local runner from Kilkeel, County Down, Sarah Hanna, who was up until five weeks ago known by her maiden name, Sarah Graham. She just returns home from the 44th International Snowden Mountain Race, where she flew the flag once again for her country, Northern Ireland. She hasn't been running that long, but she has had a very strong influence and support in the form of Ricky Hanna, her new husband, who is an excellent mountain runner himself. Hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did recording it. Uh, before we start, I'd just like to give a shout out to our sponsors, XL Sports, who are hosting the Seven Sisters Skyline this weekend with a 25km and 50km race option. I'm going to be on course, so if you see me, why not introduce yourself and say hello? I know that Union and his team have a lot of work into this, so I wish them the best of luck with the race. With great pleasure, I give you Sarah Hanna. Or what's going on? No, you're grand. Is that any else you need? Or? No, I think we're grand. Dead we're on. good. Is this coffee in here? It is, yeah. See right, see you soon. Sorry about the wet hair. I literally got back from the mountain with Ruby. Grabbed some food and got in the shower. How many times a week do you train? Um, Six. Six days a six week? Six days a week, yeah. And do you go to, do you use a, tra- a tailored sort of training plan? Um, so Ryan Maxwell is my coach. Mm. So, Very good. Um, yeah. he, does he train a lot of the sort of Northern Ireland runners? Or? Um, I'm not entirely sure how many athletes he actually coaches. Um, I know that Laura is coached by mm. him and Gordy Graham as well. So all the Grahams in Kilkeel, but not not re- any of us are related. But um, and how did that happen then? Did you get in touch with him or did it you? It was really random. I came back from England, moved back home and decided that I wanted to start running again and get a bit fit because I just didn't have any time to do anything when I was over there and Ricky's always running and was dragging me out places and I was never fit enough to go on any of the longer runs <coughs> with him and um, I came back from England, I'd spent a while in England, I worked in professional cycling and was more into my bike than I was running. So I came back and the first thing I done was get on my bike, try and get my fitness back and set myself a goal, which was the Wall Geathlon, but obviously you have to be able to run in that as well. So I done a bit of brick training on the bike and mm. running, got myself fit enough, done the Wall Geathlon. Just so people know what a brick is, because you mentioned the wall there and the brick, yeah. <laughs> so they're going to get confused, <laughs> they don't know what a brick session is. So. Brick session is just learning to run off the bike, really, isn't it? Yeah, so being able to um, adjust to getting off the bike and basically... Wobbly legs and yeah, running. <laughs> being able to make sure your legs can can go in the right direction. But 
Yeah, that's, that's, about, it. that's about it. So what happened in the wall then? So all you have long. What, what year was that? That was 2017, if I can remember. So you'd never entered any sort of duathlon or anything like that and you came first? No, no that's right, yeah, <laughs> never. But it, there's, a, there's a funny story behind it. Uh, I'm really, really good friends. I'm kind of going off topic now, but I'm, I'm really good friends with Marsha Hell. And I didn't know Marsha whenever I entered the wall duathlon, but Marsha had won the previous year. So, of course, she was my target. I had all of her stats I knew inside out and I thought I just need to be able to train to get fast enough to do as close to those times as possible and um, I had it all worked out exactly where I would have to be in each transition and how fast I'd have to go on the bike and and I'd trained that loop on the bike um, weekly for months Um, got myself fit and um, Marsha wasn't there that day but competed against a lot of other good triathletes mm. which was brilliant and got a good result had a, had a blast absolutely loved it it was the wettest foggiest day in the world but apparently the wall's quite renowned for that it's happened yeah. quite a few years uh, running so I had a really good result and yeah won and shortly after that went to back to the point about how I, how I got in touch with Ryan shortly after that I went to the Nimmer dinner with Ricky um, so Ricky is your husband? Yes, R- Ricky Hanna. So Ricky Hanna. Wa- it wasn't a uh, mountain runner? He's been running for, oh gosh, I don't even know how many years. He's. So he, is it safe to say he was your main influence then? Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I was dragged into the mountains um, <laughs> when I first started. I can't even remember the first time we went into the mountains together. Um, it's just always been part of my life since I met him. Um, I've been part of Warm Runners for a long time. Uh, as a member, I think Ricky okay. always Ricky always had me paid up as a member, even though I didn't really run. It's like Evelyn, my wife, like I kept on buying her running shoes all the time, even though she didn't put them on. <laughs> she was just <laughs> sort of hoping at some stage <laughs> they'd make it there. Bit of a hint. But no, I went to the Nimmer dinner with Ricky. He had completed the series. <clears throat> He'd had a really good year. And um, met Ryan and, and got chatting to Ryan and everyone that knows both brothers Ryan and Justin uh, know how lovely they are and how much they love their running and and Ryan's a coach and I just happened to ask Ryan um, if I could get any advice I wasn't looking for coaching I just said it would be really good to get some advice if I wanted to get back into running because I really enjoyed the running leg of the duathlon I knew I could cycle I could cycle all day long I love I love the bike but I wanted to improve my running and I asked Ryan if he would give me any advice and one thing kind of led to another and we ended up deciding that I would start training in uh, January and he pretty much said, yeah, we'll get you started straight away. Because the wall's in around October, is it? It's October and then it must have been is it November or early December for November, right, okay. I can't remember. Um, so Christmas came and went and then I dropped Ryan a message. He said, yep, yeah, we'll start tomorrow and I kind of thought, Oh my goodness, I didn't I didn't really expect to get into full coaching in like straight away. It was a, it was amazing. I was really nervous and really excited at the same time, but along came my first plan and it was um I'm pretty certain it was uh five or six days maybe just straight away. Mm. Um and Do they have an idea of what you could do or um 
not really. Well, I think I think we did have a chat. I mean, Ryan knew what he was talking about. He knows his stuff, and and um, as, as far as I can remember, um, so it was January two thousand and eighteen. Um, so quite a while ago now, but I'm I'm pretty certain we had a chat in terms mm-hmm. of what what my running pace was. But the best of it was. I was so unfit when I came back from England before the World Geathlon and I actually started to get really upset and really didn't enjoy running because I, I was getting slower and I couldn't understand why. Um, I went and got my bloods test and ended up having anemia and that kind of helped me understand then why I was feeling so lousy out for a run and as soon as I got iron tablets and got that sorted um, I started really loving running mm. and starting to increase my pace. and. I remember I, I wasn't able to run around the town um, with Ricky without stopping. I couldn't, I couldn't manage to do a 5k loop in 8.45s. It just, I just couldn't, I just couldn't do it. And as soon as I got um, my iron levels back up to where they should be and got my training plan, I just, just... Took off? Took off, yeah. I'm, I'm quite, I'm still interested actually when you were talking about the World Duathlon and the, the way you went after that uh-huh. and I know I've done that as well I've always had I've had somebody that's been a target of mine I don't do it as much now I'm too lazy yeah. I think but at the, at the early starts you sort of know who you would like to beat like yeah definitely um, <clears throat> that was quite unique for that type of race like where did that come from it's not like you were just there must have been some sort of seed planted into you do you think it was the job that you were doing sort of give you that competitive focus right off the I'm not sure. I've always I guess I've always been competitive. Um that's very competitive by the way. <laughs> is that, <laughs> it's like is that let's join this race. Who won it last year? <laughs> what was her splits on the first run right? I still I, I still <laughs> find myself doing that all the time. I I just it's it's probably not a good thing and I'm not going to put words into my coach's mouth, but he wouldn't want me looking at the person who won last year and looking at their times. Mm. He would want me to go out and give my absolute best and go for it because I was able to reach and exceed those times. Um, and that was before I was even a runner. Mm. So I would love to go back and I would have loved to have gone back this year, only it was cancelled and, and moved back to, moved, it was moved from October into the better months, but I couldn't make it for some reason. Um, but I would love to go back and, and smash around it and say, but now my running is much stronger than my cycling. Uh, I got on the bike yesterday for the first time in a few months and my quads just didn't know what was happening to them. So I have yeah, it's missed criminal it. criminal on the bike, isn't it? You really do lose it. Like, yeah, you do. You really do. do. But you do, especially around living in the mornings when you're on the bike, it really builds strength into your legs, doesn't it? There aren't many routes you can do that don't have climbs <laughs> or a sea breeze or a more than just a breeze, literally like cycling into a brick wall, but it's, yeah, it's beautiful. You sort of look around you and you don't mind. I mean, mm. I cycled into Newcastle yesterday and thought to myself, I, don't, I didn't really know where I was going and I, I went into Newcastle and pushed on. I thought, yeah, my goodness, I'm actually going okay. Um, and on the way back, hit a headwind and thought why did I cycle the whole way to Newcastle I now have to go the whole way back in this headwind and little negative thoughts start creeping in like I could just ring Ricky you could just come and get me I just don't but that's just it's a game of two halves it is isn't it? and and then I got stuck in and got the head down and 
And I was like, this just reminds me of just a continuous climb on the mountain because your legs, your quads are working so hard. Your lungs are actually getting a little bit of a rest, mm -hmm. which is nice. So your body overall, I think, feels much more recovered on the bike, even though your legs are still getting that workout. Um, and you just push on and push on. And then you get home and your eyes are red from fighting against the, the elements. But no, it's a real buzz. I love it. Yeah. I really I have missed it so much. No, one thing I'd missed from it because I was I would do I would have done a long cycle every weekend, um, along a long run because I couldn't have done two long runs, mm -hmm. but I did find that it held good endurance. You know, because I always was holding a heart rate of I just cycled by heart rate, whatever the pace was. It was it was like one hundred and thirty beats the whole way, um, but what I found was it really built my endurance up, yeah, and your body's ability then to burn fat as a fuel. But it's all in context because I did ask um, Ian Keith. He's one of our best ultra runners. Like, he says no, definitely. The bike doesn't help him at all. He does a lot of mountain biking. No way. And Gary O'Hanlon, um, I remember him saying it doesn't. But if you're doing 120 miles of running a week, I can understand how the bike wouldn't be improving your running any more than yeah. that. But if you're doing 30 or 40 miles of running a week, then you can see how it could actually contribute. You know, your aerobic fitness, mm. your endurance, low heart rate, building, climbing. Definitely. Like, as I say, it doesn't, I, I don't ever remember it helping my, my flat running. It didn't speed me up. Um, <clears throat> it definitely helped on the climbs, but I was never as fit when I lived um, in England the first year. When I was working in British Cycling for a few years, and that's where I got, I fell in love with it, with cycling. I promised I wouldn't have a bike. And I, yes, you will. No, I'm not going near the bike. Ended up having a track bike, road bike, mountain bike, you name it. I went across all the disciplines, loved it. And I've never, and I still maintain this, even though my coach will kill me for saying this, I maintain I've, I've never been as fit yeah. as when I was cycling. Because I cycled a ridiculous number of miles every week. I cycled to work in the morning, done a track session for an hour in the morning, went to work, got out of work maybe done 50 miles around Manchester into Mosley and the surrounding area with the boys. I was always trying to keep up with the boys. Got back to the velodrome, collected my kit and then cycled home and then repeat every day for a year or more and raced at weekends as well, done long rides, done Audax, which is uh, the equivalent of long distance running here. It's a long distance bike ride 200 300 400k you decide what distance and you go and pick an event just so social and I've also never been in as much pain <laughs> when I've been competing than I have been in a bike race there's just a different it's a different kind of pain but I've never I've never you have to keep up with what's going on around yeah, you. That's you, the thing, isn't it? If you drop that wheel <clears throat> in front, burn. you're gone. <laughs> it's a burn. I, I can safely say I've never been in as much pain. Even the races that I've done in the last two years, I've never. Because you had a very interesting job as well. So one thing, key thing there, I think helps people. Um, as you said there, you were training with the boys. So these are pro cyclists that you're training with. So whenever I first... I. I'll kind of go from the beginning, but I, and very quickly, I'll not bore you too much, but I applied for a job in British Cycling because my sister worked there and she wanted me to get away for a year and experience life across the water. And, um, that Lisa? that's Lisa. Yeah. Lisa's still in British Cycling at the minute. And 
she said, oh, there's a couple of jobs coming up in marketing. Um, why don't you apply? And I thought, oh, I'm never going to get them, but I'll apply anyway. And I applied for one and I didn't get an interview. And I applied for a second job that came up that suited me better. And I got an interview and I thought, oh, well, sure, I'll just go over and see Lisa. I'll go for the interview, see how it goes. And the next thing I got the job and I couldn't quite believe it. And I promised Ricky I'd be away for a year. I was like, I'll be away for 12 months. I'll go and see how it goes. And so off we went, Ricky and I drove over with my car, unpacked it, got into a house and um, he came over every weekend and or I came home we, quite a bit. So it was good at the start, we got to see each other um, at weekends and he would come and go on the track and see all the ath Olympic athletes and he was starstruck and it was, it was amazing, it was lovely. And I got to spend time with Lisa who I didn't see very often as well. Um, and then I got into cycling and I worked in sponsorship and in um, recreation. So I, whenever I first started off in British Cycling, it was my job to encourage people to get on bikes. So I had an amazing Brilliant. job and I got to work with the Olympic athletes um, and I had to help. Uh, I brought them to events to meet fans and set up events and I would have to ride with them at the it's events. And, and Yeah, kind of the media communications with the athletes at these events to encourage people to get on bikes. Um, and then I worked in sponsorship and again, I, I had to fulfill sponsorship obligations we had at the likes of Adidas and Cervelo and different sponsors on board at the time. And they each um, required as part of their contract so many athlete appearances uh, during the year. So whether it was Chris Hoy or Laura Kenny or um, Jason or any of the athletes, I would go uh, meet up with them, bring them to the hotel, bring them to the event the next day. And it was really nice getting to know them all. And they're so, they're so down to earth and so lovely. Uh, and I had such good fun. And then in and around that time, I was, I was cycling everywhere. Like it just was part of my life. I didn't, the car was there, but it was never used. And then after two and a half years of, of being with British Cycling, I got a really unique opportunity to join a men's professional team um, in the marketing communications department. And I travelled the world with them for another two and a half years. Um, poor Ricky was um, <laughs> was was coming He's over every every other distraught. weekend to see me. He was distraught. He wanted me home, but for two and a half years Jealous I travelled. Jealous like that is like, you know, anybody that watches any of the tours, you only think yeah. it's such an exciting buzz. Well, isn't it? it's so strange for me because I've I've been out of that world now. My last contract in cycling was was last year. Um, and I can't when it when you're at home because I'm now settled back in Northern Ireland. It's the jobs being able to work remotely. They're few and far between. Mm. But I'm watching the Tour de France and there's lots of familiar faces and even staff and and staff that I used to work with and and my my teammates as such. I mean, there's there's guys that were on our team that are now riding the Tour de France. Staff members are now DSing at World Tour level um, and they're keeping me updated by a messenger on the phone. It's just, yeah, I do miss it. I absolutely loved it. It was, I didn't appreciate it enough at the time because it was almost as though I, it was one of my first jobs. I, one of my first jobs out of, out of mm. uni almost was moving into the cycling industry. And, and for Ricky to sit in the living room and watch Bradley Wiggins on TV and I just could not care less. I was like, I don't like cycling, turn it off. <laughs> then for me to land this job and to be working um, and meeting Bradley and you know we've been 
it just I was never starstruck by them because I wasn't a fan yeah, before I went into the sport. But it just was strange then for my friends and family to kind of see me working with them. But it was just it was just normal to me. So it's it's weird because I, I do I do still keep in touch with a lot of the people I used to work with. And um, who knows what what jobs will come up. But so a few weeks ago, the forty fourth um, international stone and mountain race. Yes. I've actually quite a few commonalities with that race. Oh, do you? <laughs> um, I was born in Cardiff. Okay. First. Um, 1975 in July. <laughs> I'm not trying to work out your age, so, I'm not very good at maths. Well, it's 44, so my, uh, that Snowden race started in July 1975 as well. So some commonalities. Ah, okay, so that's where the commonalities are. You'll be there at my, okay. my birthday every time that race is on, and that's what age I'm going to be, so hopefully I'll see the 100th international race. <laughs> so tell me about that race then, what, what distance is that? Um, it is just short of 10 miles. Okay. Um, it's just again then under five miles to the summit and under five miles down to the finish line. And what type of what sort of elevation are you talking? Um, I can't remember off the top of my head what the actual elevation is. I should know. <laughs> it should be in, in, engraved. In Would my it brain. be nine hundred and eighty-five meters by any chance? <laughs> Do you know? Yeah, it is. Around is it? Three, I think it's around right. three thousand two hundred feet. Um. I, it was funny because we had a few um, a few first timers. I, I ran Snowden last year and I had a cracking race. I loved it. And um, we had a few first timers uh, this year on the Northern Ireland team who'd never ran Snowden before. And I was trying to explain to them the race. And I was going, you know, I don't think it's that runnable. I'm pretty certain it's hands on knees climbing. <laughs> well, my goodness, it was the complete opposite of what I could even remember. Um, as soon as you leave Lamberis, the you leave the playing the playing fields, the pitches, the crowds are amazing. You go out the tarmac road, and it's quite flat for all of about a hundred meters, and then the tarmac just rises up ever so slightly, and you think I'm gonna get away with this, okay? And then you cross a cattle grid, up past a little row of houses, and everybody that's done Snowden, even if you've walked it, will will know the next section of road I'm talking about because it just ramps up. And it's a tarmac road and it twists and turns the whole way to the bottom of the mountain path. And if I can remember rightly, it's about 1.2 miles of just agony on that road because the race has gone out so hard. Everyone is just fighting to keep up at the front for position. And then after that, you kind of come onto a mountainous path, which is very rocky unlike anything really we have in the morns because they have their slate mm. mines and everything there. So it's very slaty, very sharp. If you fall, you're going to really badly hurt yourself. Um, I guess you could compare it a little bit to the Glen River or a good training run for Snowden is up by the Bloody Bridge. It's kind of the same rocky terrain mm. and just a steady gradient the whole way. And it ramps up in a few different places where it's really hands on knees pushing on. But it's it's a great race. Yeah, so you went race. over with the Northern Ireland team. Over the Northern Ireland team, yes. And the Irish team yes. was with you as well. Mm -hmm. And right. young Zach Han Hannah, Zach, who yeah. done absolutely amazing. Like he was fourth this he, year. Unreal. Zach is going to win that race someday. Yeah. Um, I think he that's really his goal. Like, Honestly, oh, I just, every year, there's something really nice about going over. So both the Ireland team and Northern Ireland team travelled over together on the boat. And quite a few Northern Irish runners were representing Ireland this year. Mm. So it was, it was nice too, because 
it, it meant there was a big crowd we all knew each other and we got to meet a few new faces um as well representing ireland and um, which is also nice but we all went over and got the crack got in the boat and you sort of get yourself riled up for the race the next day zach was bouncing i could tell and megan as well megan mm. had a, a, an amazing run they were both just could not wait i love their mentality when it comes to racing because i would get quite nervous and and not doubt myself but just start replaying last year's race over in my head and, and trying to think of how I'm going to get on but it's, it's interesting seeing the different personalities in the team like Megan and Zach were just absolutely chomping at the bit to get stuck in and and just show everybody what they could do and try and beat their times from Full last year. I'm not even <clears> sure well I'm not sure if, if I'll say self-confidence they just absolutely love racing and they love getting stuck in and it's not that the rest of us don't mm. Just everybody has their own little way the night before the race, their own little routines. Um, but Zach had a cracker race. And as you're climbing, so as you're climbing, you're expecting to see the top guys coming down. Because it's a loop, isn't it? It's straight up <clears throat> and straight down. And anyone that, again, has done Snowden will know that during race day, it is a little bit like dodgems. You are trying to avoid the tourists on the path. There are dogs, there are people walking, there are people that are out for a run that are coming down. So... The Snowden organisers try and encourage people, obviously, to go up by the left and down by the right. No, sorry, up the left, down by the left. So staying out of everyone's way. Um, and obviously, the sooner you see the guys coming down, you know that you're closer to the top. And I was climbing for ages and ages and didn't, it felt like an eternity and didn't see anybody. And I was like, oh my goodness, I'm, we're bound to be nearly there. Like looking at my watch and, tr and trying to remember my summit time from last year and the next thing, the first runner. It was a Scottish a Scottish athlete came absolutely hurtling down the mountain, um, followed by one of the Italians, and then Zach. And I was you just roar and hope that he hears you. Mm. And he was in third place when I saw him, and he averaged. Now this is a stat that did stick in my mind. Zach averaged seven eleven minute miles. Jesus, that's unbelievable. In that it? race with 995 mm. metres of climbing. So 3,200 feet, so people can relate to that. What, yeah. is, what is Donna? 2,700, is it? Donna is Donna 850 metres. I go in metres. Yeah, so 850 metres, so it's around 2,700 feet. Mm -hmm. So if you think about trying to run along the flat, 7-11s, trying yeah. to run up Donna. Yeah, they <laughs> come down in 7 -11s. Like, they were averaging five-ish five minute miles on the descent, and... There's no point in me even trying to describe the descent because it's like nothing I've ever done before. You get to the top, your legs are like jelly. You have pushed on hard. And this year it was really, really um, foggy and blustery on the top and a different climate altogether than it was 100 metres down the mountain. Really surreal. So um, I can remember Anya and Shalene were, were with me at the time and we were pushing on to the summit. And it was a different climate. It just turned really nasty at the top. And as we turned at the top to come down, um, it's it's a it's it's steps. It's avoiding tourists. It's shaly. One minute your feet are slipping from you, the next minute you're slipping on rock. Then there's jagged slates. It's just it's confusing almost. It is confusing. You're tired and you're just thinking, right, that's it. Come on, we're heading for home. You're trying to get yourself jade up for the next five miles because 
um, I think it was Anya said to me, um, her mum, Tish McCann, was trying to describe the race. And she said, Anya, it's one race. Maybe it's the only race that you will doubt your ability to get to the finish. And I laughed when she said that because it's true. It, you come down off the mountain path and as soon as you get back onto the tarmac, you've done over you've done four miles at this point and your feet are on fire they are burning and just it's so steep on the tarmac road on the way back to the finish and your feet are slapping off the ground and it's just absolute agony it's pain and you do you start you think i'm not going to get there you are so physically exhausted and it's true it's the, it's the only race maybe that i've ever ever doubted my ability to get to the finish which is one mile away and, and you think in your head, come on, Sarah, you do one mile efforts, you do that, it's going to fly in, just push on. It's such a mental game, but um, you just go back for more every year because there is nothing like it. Anybody who has never tried the Snowden race, put it on your list of races. And can today. anybody enter that race? Anybody can enter the race. Is there a qualifying to get into it? Not as far as I'm aware, no, but entries do sell out very quickly. Mm -hmm. um, How many sort of competitors did we get? I think there were six or seven hundred this year, as far it's as I'm aware. It's a big number. Yeah, it's a big number, but it's it's really, it's a really, it's just a, it's a cracking atmosphere at the start. Now, how do you pace something like that? Because, like, just you just go out as hard, as, not as hard as you can, obviously, but because you're in the red straight away by the sounds of it. Yeah, you're you're hurting straight away um i shared a room with megan uh megan wilson at snowden and the night before i can remember we we talked about the race and i said well what's your plan of attack for tomorrow what do you what do you think you'll do she's like oh i'm just gonna go out hard and hold on for as long as i can and i just <laughs> i laughed again i loved that attitude it was just give it everything and, and hold mm. on um, and she had a crack and run, uh, really, I think it was sub 125. But she, she's amazing though, isn't she? she does oh, she, she's unreal, um, she's really good. Was it her that went on to then go and help the guys yes. in the party? Yes, so Megan. <coughs> was that Billy Reid? <laughs> Billy Reid and Dale Mathers um, were over doing the Paddy Buckley. Which so for you had Billy on the podcast as well. Did you have Billy on the and podcast? And we had Zach on the podcast, so... <laughs> so for anyone that doesn't know, it's I've been told it's the equivalent of sort of the Bob Graham round. Yeah. And um, a long distance event. Um, and it's it's a massive feat in itself just to finish the Paddy Buckley. Um, and I believe Dale and Billy completed it in 25 hours. Uh, but it's, it's incredible. And Megan ran the race and something we never do but we did we went straight into dinner this is awful i can't believe i'm saying this we went straight into dinner without showering without getting uh washed up because megan just needed some food and so did the rest of us um we went in without showering uh got some grub and then megan went into the room pulled on some warm clothes and out she went to join um dale and billy I can't remember which leg she actually done, but it started and finished quite close to the hotel, so it stood it really well. Yeah, I think it was the third leg. I think it was the third leg. She knew the leg really well, <coughs> mm. uh, from what I can gather. She'd been around it before, so she was confident she would help them pull some time back, which she did. And I'm sure uh, Billy and Dale were glad of the company as well, some from fresh blood to, to keep that was going. Unique. I think it was like five hours after she'd finished the race. I think they started at 10 o'clock, and she was back. Um, knocking on, on our hotel door at half three 
Um, and I asked her how it went. She's but like, did, oh. she, did she? Because it takes in Snowdon as well, doesn't it? She had to do a second summit of Snowdon. So like midnight that night. Yeah, with the head torch. Again. Yeah, <laughs> she's incredible. No, she's it, she's definitely she lift. She would lift anybody. Uh, Megan, it was lovely to to spend time with her. Um, so the race takes the route, yeah. the race took you an hour and thirty four minutes. It did. Yes. What type of fuel do you sort of take on that? Like, do you carry anything with you? Um, I, I know you had a sideline we don't sidekick. <laughs> I did. Ricky, Ricky came over and I was helping out both um, Ireland and Northern Ireland team um, giving out gel and water. And I don't think there were too many uh, athletes that didn't take what he offered because you are just you just uh, oh. Give any water anything. that was offered I took I drank at every opportunity um, during that race it's only an hour and a half long so I know like Richard Bell came over he was he was our team manager so he was helping the teams um, and as team manager um, for the Northern Ireland team you get a race spot um, so he was racing as well in his more managed vest which was nice to see and Richard, before the race, said he wouldn't be taking anything. And as far as I'm aware, he didn't drink or eat anything during an hour and a half. But everyone's different. And I like to have a little kind of uh, safety blanket in a gel. Because I find caffeine does give me a real mm. boost. So I had a, a gel. Because um, <laughs> we weren't carrying any, any bum bags or anything. I had one tucked into my sports bra um, for safekeeping. And used one gel on the way up and Ricky passed me one on the way down and that was that was basically all the fuel that that I took on board and um, we ate really well the night before um, again I'm going to name another team member Shalene O'Kane um, Shalene I don't know how many times she has represented Northern Ireland she is another wonder woman and she is so much fun to have I never want Shalene to ever stop racing she has to keep going because it would not be the same without her um, Shalene, she'll, she'll maybe kill me for saying this, has a very strict routine um, before every race and it just, I think, it just keeps everything mm. calm and um, it's just what she likes to do and she will have a massive, all the size of her, Shalene is tiny, she'll have a massive carb-loaded dinner and if there are any extras going or someone hasn't eaten theirs, she will eat it for them. Sorry, Shalene. <laughs> Followed by half a litre of beetroot juice and porridge. The evening before? That's the evening before, yeah. So Shalene will always have her litre of porridge with her in her suitcase on the way over. And she'll bring her porridge sachets just in case the hotel doesn't do porridge. And just before bed, she will have um, a porridge sachet and make sure she's drank her 500ml of beetroot juice and then in the morning she'll drink the other half and she'll she'll make her porridge and she'll always make sure she eats um three hours before the race yeah i, I totally get that as well like you know so i would take a lot of porridge and beetroot mm. juice as well so um because the beetroot juice is full of nitrate yeah but it's supposed to help transport oxygen around the body yeah so it does um, that it opens up your arteries to yeah. line up to so your heart rate stays a bit lower and apparently um better not to drink it uh, all the time it, it's better and actually gives more of, has more of an effect so well we were discussing this when we were away um, so sort of keeping it as your uh, plan of attack before a race apparently mm. is better than taking it every day mm. but I don't think I'd want to take well, it every I, day I, I do actually take it every, every day. day every day so I take 200ml 200ml glass of it 
And but I have trials with that and what it's how what effect it's had on my body. It drops my heart rate by about eight beats. No way. So it does. Um, what taking it consistently? Consistently every day. <clears throat> um, but I have found like the best form I was ever in going into a race, um, into Dublin Marathon. I took a glass that morning, which I never do on race day, and I actually came off the course being sick. And mix it, and that evening it was just beetroot juice. That's all I had in my stomach. So it does sit in your stomach for quite a while, because like, when you're dehydrated. Yeah. Um, I was gonna say I couldn't drink beetroot juice no. in that volume. I couldn't drink half a liter. The the right. trick with it as well is put it in the back of the fridge, make sure it's ice cold, and drink oh, it in yeah. the morning. Yeah. And it's like a fruit juice. I can't drink it during the day or anything, but in the morning time, it's like. You well, know, you feel really cleansed. Um, Sarah McCormick, who actually won the Snowden race, um, she was speaking to Shalene about the beetroot juice. She takes it as well. But it also repairs so damaged cells. Do you know it that? must help. <laughs> um, in some places, it's advised to take it after going through chemotherapy because it actually repairs damaged cells. So it helps the recovery as well as that. So Yeah. Um, Anything that tastes like that has to be good for you. Yeah, because there's no other reason why you'd be no, drinking it. that's it. Um, so what are the, what type of kit do you wear? So there's no kit really at all. So what type of shoes do you wear in a race like that? Because it's quite sharp. There was I no kit at Snowden, no kit requirement, sorry, for the international runners. Um, anybody that wasn't running under um, the World Cup. So okay. World Cup athletes, because it was a World <laughs> Cup event this year. So the talent, the, the, the talent that was there was really stacked. So for Zach, again, to get that result was unbelievable to come forth. Yeah. Um, was, it, it was crazy. It's international. It's people from all over the world. All over the world. We had um, athletes from Malta there. There were, I noticed one mm. of the girls actually had a, her arm in a sling the next day. So maybe it wasn't quite the terrain she was was thinking of. Or there, there, that herself. type of terrain as well is quite sharp, isn't it? Like It is really sharp. Um, and I was well over, so I've, I've never been aware of that at all. But I was, we did the Mall Mall on Saturday. And my friend was wear, with me, he was wearing four millimetre shoes. And he actually had a problem going over the stones he's they were annoying him and his you know his sharpness in the bottom of his feet like and mm. um, whereas i was just jumping over them so what type of shoes do you wear in a type of skyline race like that well, i actually um broke the number one rule of running <laughs> new pair of shoes i bought a new pair of shoes <laughs> the morning of the race and the reason being um Snowden's a funny race because some people actually run it in trainers. Um, everybody has their own, obviously, like personal preference of shoe. And I had a worn out pair of talons. It was the same pair of talons I raced Snowden in last year. And Ricky and I were laughing, saying there, there literally is no life left in those shoes, Sarah. I thought, I'll take them anyway, they're bound, if it's dry, they're bound to do me. Well, the night before, it absolutely emptied out of the heaven. In fact, it emptied the next day as well. We got a window of opportunity, a dry window for the race. But I looked at my grip and the sole, not even the grip, but the actual soles of my shoes after. Cause we, <laughs> on the Friday when we arrive off the boat, we always go for a little 20, 30 minute kind of leg loosener and even coming down the tarmac road for that leg listener, I thought, I'm gonna have holes in these shoes. These are not gonna get me to the top and down. So just to be safe, 
especially when it rained and I wanted a little bit more grip on the stones. I didn't have any confidence in the shoes. And they were just Innovate talons. Now the old Innovate for me are so much more comfortable. So the 212s as opposed to the 230s. I had a real problem with the 230s. They really, really hurt my feet. They were far too solid a shoe. Um, it's a pain in the ass that isn't it? You've got a really good shoe. Yeah, and they change it. And they change they it. Bring out a new. Well, they they brought out. They still have the two one twos. I'm not sure if they still make them, but there are still mm, so uh, options for sale. So, uh, Pete Bland is always at the Snowden race every year. So we went over and um, I tried on a pair of the exact same shoes. I thought, right, I'm I'm really breaking the rules here, but if I buy the same model just a new pair then it shouldn't be too bad because uh, it wasn't like i have mud claws and stuff mud claws are my go-to shoe this year absolutely love them they've given me so much confidence on the descents but talon 212s i bought a pair uh, the morning of the snowden race lined up in my sparkly new shoes and, and off we went took a picture of my treads before i raced and a picture afterwards and happily to report back to innovate that um very little wear which i was surprised at maybe because it wasn't just as dry but last year i can remember my shoes wore down like racing flats and you mentioned the mud clothes there <clears throat> during the, the hill and dales this year mm-hmm. um i were i was wearing hookers um speed goats and dead on the climbing obviously like but there's quite a lot of rain some of the nights mm-hmm. um, when the ground gets like marshy and swampy I was sliding like it was on an ice rink at times, you know, you were hitting bits. Like, would the mud claws fix that problem or you should just not run through the mud? Mud claws. I, I raced, all last year I raced in talons and my, my weakness, I guess, would have been descending. Just fear of and, and lack mm. of whenever I started running the mountains and um it's like anything you become accustomed to it you get better at it you get stronger braver all the rest of it but it wasn't until i got my mud claws this year and i happened to go into susie at hill trekker and um again it was was the day before a race (laughs) i can't for the life of me what race was it it was possibly british champs um and I went into Susie and got, got my first pair of, of mud claws, bright fluoro yellow mud claws. And um I tell a lie, it was before Glenara and it's quite slippy. Well straight away from coming down the first descent, I can remember just thinking, why have I not had why have I not had <laughs> these shoes? They honestly gave me so much confidence. Um, you know, they're really, really, really good. They, I don't know how to explain it. Just I, feel, <clears throat> I just felt they had a better grip um, and loved them. So yeah. I suppose that's a key point as well. Like, cause I had a few slips. My confidence was slipping with the slips. Mm-hmm. And as I went on in the hill and dales, like near the end, I was virtually walking down the descent only because I was getting strength back. Yeah. And that's what I was using the races for. So it started becoming more precious for me. <laughs> Well, to be honest, I the girls will laugh at me, even though I had the mud claws. So at the end at the end of my Hill and Dale series this year, I was I got married on the twenty first. So I got married on the twenty first of June, which was Drina Hilly. Obviously didn't do the race, but I raced right up until um I think it was the I raced Lakshana was my last race. 
and oh my word the everybody around me was probably fed up with me panicking about breaking an ankle or a leg <clears throat> at one of these hill and deals before i got married um and my confidence massively dipped in the last few hill and deal races i just couldn't mm. take the chance whereas before there was nothing to lose if you were going to break an ankle you're going to break it shows an ankle. how much it's in your mind as well now because yeah i was i went to luke's that was my last one. I it was, I was incredibly technical. I was doing yeah. the marathon the next week or the following right. weekend. Mm-hmm. And um, I ended up walking down. I was like, I started off at the top, rolled in the first hole I hit. Oh, no. And normally I wouldn't have minded. Yeah. You know, it's actually knee deep, the hole, which actually meant it didn't impact me in any way or form, strangely enough, because quite wide holes up there. Um, it was a great race. Just it's not just my un- confidence. It was just like unknown <clears throat> ground, and that's where I think it caught some people out. Everybody was ranting and raving about a great little mountain course, a proper mountain course. Proper fell race. Proper race, and it just, it's, it's you're scared of the unknown. It's, it's putting your foot down on what looks like grass, and you disappear into your knee. Um, but it, it my confidence really. Um, dramatically dropped to the point where I had to ease back um, oh, I think it was I can't remember the name which race it was it was coming down the grand, uh, down by the quarry in Donard Park for one of the Hill and Dales yeah, was way, that was the way of the way and I literally had to walk I, I actually found myself saying I can't do this I, I'm going to break an ankle before, I, before the wedding I can't do this and what made me the most nervous was actually Thought I'd, I thought I had permanently given myself a little bit of, um, I, I think Self-made. it was my mindset then, that <clears throat> am I ever going to get this confidence back? Have I been so nervous before the wedding that this is not going to stay with me? You know, it didn't. I literally, yeah. you just have to tell yourself, look, I do this because I love it. And if I'm going to break something, it's going to happen. And that's it. People have bounced back from worse. So but it's just, just the way it. the mind works, isn't it? Like, yeah. what's called the last race? Is it Denny? La- in Hill and Dales? Yeah. Uh, it was Drenahilly. Drenahilly. So, coming into that race, and I was mm. a bit fed up actually because my confidence had got so low coming down. So, I was getting stronger and stronger going up. Yeah. And I was letting it all go coming back down. So, I was driving down to that race. I just up from Dublin doing the podcast. And then um, I was like, right, I don't care what happens. This is the last race. I've done my two marathons that I was planning on doing. Yeah. Um, if I break a leg, I break a leg. And I had an amazing race. It was by far the best position I had all year. Yeah. Just because I made that decision before the race, whatever happens, happens. Well, I can remember last year, um, I don't think, I can't say that I had a fear of descending when I first started. I was always just cautious because you knew what can happen. And I'd been around the mountain scene long enough to see plenty of bloody faces and bloody knees and and cuts and bruises and, and broken bones but it I'm sure I, like I've, I've never I had not yet anyway had a bad enough fall to really knock my confidence but it I don't remember being scared and the, the hill and deals actually improved my descending because it gives you a goal or a person to stick with even out training Ricky would have said to me just just stick with me just stay at my pace, go with me. And that very quickly builds your confidence mm. because you've, even if it's just somebody in front of you, not obviously close enough that you are gonna trip over them, 
um, or you can't see the ground coming quickly enough, but just far enough ahead that you can nearly use where they've placed their foot to gain your confidence going down certain descents. And the Morns, I mean, we have an amazing mountain range. It's not absolutely massive where you don't become familiar with the terrain and then it builds up your confidence. When you've got 10 people around you taking leaps of faith, because that's what it is. Your foot's going out, it's just leaps yeah. of faith, really. Um, I think it allows your mind to let you go. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're on your own and you're, and you're racing hard, trying to come down, then you're like, oh no. But you're seeing everybody going like mad Egypt's down the mountain, so then, you're, well, okay. So they're all doing it, why not just join in? It's, so it helps you. It's crazy. Like, Esther has raced out of her skin this season and her descending, crazily, as it says, has just got even better. And I was speaking to her about it. I think it was it was again before the wedding when I was having doubts about my descending and just fear of breaking something. And I was talking to Esther and she said she has ne- she was never scared of descending. Even when she first started, she was never nervous, never scared. And I guess then she's just built on from that and got even better. Whereas people who are going in and maybe are a little bit nervous have to build up that confidence. So it's there's something to be said about just literally getting stuck in mm. and, and trying to remember why you're doing it and it, it's a skill in itself and you will pick it up like I always had two left feet I could never play football very well always fit enough to run around but never very good skill wise you used to play football when you were younger not the side track I did yeah I played you won a, lot, a few tournaments played a lot of sport um, football was probably one of the weaker sports Hockey, I absolutely loved hockey. Um, left the hockey for running because I didn't really have time for both. That and the fact that um, I find that you could very quickly pull a muscle after being out on a training run and then go to a hockey pitch and all the sharp interval training moves um, mm-hmm. were just a recipe for disaster. Uh, really miss it though, miss the girls. It was really good crack. Um, and sh- show jumping then as well, some passion for horses. I came from a horsey background um, and done a lot of of show jumping um, just before I moved to, to England the poor horse got left behind Poor still thing. have her but she's um, in happy retirement now <coughs> come on, see come back to the centre just one point I, I was going to make there was I actually went over my ankle in January um, I said I'd be back in two weeks that's right I saw three you months. in the pool with a, with a massive black ankle it was three months I was out from that so it really did not my confidence but when I was I've just been trying to transition from the road into the mountains um, and I kept on rolling my ankle. But, uh, and as you say, it's a skill and a, an awareness. It's so different than the road. Every time I rolled my ankle, it was on a safe bit of mountain. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't on the technical bit or the leaps of faith or any of that. It was when I got to a safe bit and you just take your attention yes. off and oh, straight away, it's rolled. You know, I rolled it like four or five times. And then when I rolled, when I badly done my ankle, it was like 30 yards from the car coming off. Binion after running up and down it at night. And then it's like, there's the car and bang. But you're right in what you're saying, it's a skill. Whereas that actually, in a roundabout way, in a, turning the negative into positive, it really, really helped me because then, you know, I've learned to be attentive at all times on the mountain. And you, you just can't drop your guard. Like, no, I mean, definitely not. It's, um, I've, we've all experienced it. I think there's very, very few mountain runners who you would speak to that haven't rolled an ankle. Um, I mean, ankle tape is becoming ever more popular. The more people I speak to, especially at the kind of the sharp end of the racing, uh, seem to have their, their ankles braced 
for races they know are going to be technical or mm. tough or tiring on their ankles um, and I'd done the same I, I really badly rolled an ankle and it put me off for three months uh, it just meant going back on the bike and then getting back into running as soon as it would allow but it, it a, a bad roll will, will put you out for mm. a season um, <laughs> but no there's, there's not many runners that haven't done it yeah, so it's about focusing on strengthening around that as well, like isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Um, they say that breaking an ankle is better than than <laughs> going, uh, p- pulling ligaments because it's quicker to heal. But I, if I go out running with Ricky, that was always drilled into me from the beginning. Don't take your eyes off the ground. And mm-hmm. to be honest, if I brought somebody new out to the mountain that hadn't been on the terrain, I, I would be nervous for them. I would be nervous bringing somebody out in case they hurt themselves and you would constantly be telling them to concentrate. There have been races, even Snowden, for instance, um, I would constantly be just saying to myself, concentrate, concentrate. Like if I, th- if I felt my concentration kind of waning or, or my urge to look up, because it's so tiring, I, I get tired of concentrating. Something like Snowden where it's a five mile technical descent, you get tired of concentrating, your legs are sore, everything is sore you're you're just tired you're you just it's hard to concentrate and i would find myself actually slapping myself on on the leg or something and just saying sarah like concentrate don't let this slip um it it becomes normal yeah it becomes natural after a while you learn to look further ahead (coughs) of yourself i mean that's what mountain running is descending (coughs) is you're looking for that line aren't you because you're, you're still concentrating right in front of you it's so easy. That's that's sort of where I'm at at the minute. Is I'm running down like I'm just so concentrated. Yeah. But it's it's normal now. Mm-hmm. And any time I take my concentration off, it goes like. And I'm like ah. It's also a little bit about relaxing too, which yeah. is something I never would have said because I, I used to get really sore shins and things whenever I descended because I tensed everything up, waiting for an impact. I was waiting for mm. that foot placement that wasn't a foot placement it was a hole and I was going to twist an ankle um, and I used to tense everything I used to come away with really sore arches in my feet I used to tense everything right from my toes to my arches my ankles my, my legs and um, my both my knees at the minute are achy are sore um, from breaking and not getting that momentum yeah. going do you know what I mean I'm getting there mm-hmm. and you can feel it when it's happening you know, oh this is good you're yeah. not even thinking about it now. You actually, even though you're focused, and it's just become more natural. Um, I've done a lot of sort of the mornings are steep up and down, like it's yeah, quite up and down. Are. Like, um, but I'm still breaking too much going down. There's still always room for improvement, yeah. and you find that after um, after a season of of running, you do just become more confident in looking slightly further ahead. So at the start, I would have looked too close to my feet which sounds silly but I was always trying to push my gaze a little bit further just to be able to instead of when looking you get an opportunity <laughs> when you get a chance but there's always room for improvement I mean yeah. I, I would say my descending could definitely um because I, I find myself as you've said there you're looking at your feet and where I'm at at the minute is learning to look up because I'm taking wrong lines mm-hmm. you know very very short ones like but you're it's five ten seconds here all the time, like yeah. isn't it? And you're like, oh, you're going the wrong way, or you watch yourself into trouble. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I am awful for sticking to a path that I'm on rather than looking up and seeing a shortcut right mm. beside me. Um, I guess that comes if you have the opportunity to to wreck a race. That's where that comes in handy to know where you're going. 
like even tonight for instance I went I was at Binion tonight and the fog came in Ricky was laughing at me I was doing a bit of an effort up Binion um, I couldn't find the top I couldn't see the top I ended up contouring round um, some ridiculous way to get to the summit and uh, was so cross with myself for the way that I went up but it's like anything you, the more you're you know the more you do it the more you'll Especially when it comes to opinions, terrible for the cloud. Like the amount of times you go up there, just the fog. Like it's, yeah. if, if it was a clear day, I'd like to think I've been up there enough times. Yeah. I would know where I'm going, but um, but you, you can totally lose. Like Ricky couldn't believe that I didn't know where I was tonight. I was like, look, you don't understand how foggy <laughs> it was. Um, he was actually coming up Binion from the other side. And I laughed when I met him because the weather again had closed in. It was really foggy, couldn't really see. It was threatening rain, it was really misly. Um, and he was on the watch. Uh, and he did say to me before I left, because I had a particular route. I was going up by the quarry, he was going up by the back, um, by Cartlittle. He said, whenever I see you, I'm not stopping. Um, I'll be on the clock. And I thought, okay, well, you know, me too. So I'll see you there. <laughs> the husband and wife set off to the mountain, two separate cars. He parked at Cart Little. I parked down at the Silent Valley. I do a warm up up the, up the tarmac to, to Binion and then start my effort from there. And uh, coming down to the crossroads, I meet Ricky. And of course, oh, I'm not stopping, I'm going on. And he runs on. And I just laugh, thinking, like, what other couple would be at this on a, on a Thursday night? And we were both wearing the same t-shirts that we got from Chamonix. And I met people on the path that he would have run past. And they're probably thinking, who are these two idiots? They're clearly together. They're wearing the same outfit. Um, just like, passing in the night and, and running on and, and leaving leaving them to their own devices. But um, like even a year ago, that wouldn't have happened. He wouldn't have trusted me to, to run around the mountains by myself and get back safe. But I think he just... <laughs> That's it. So in Snowden you got your time was one hour thirty-four. Yes. Spot on. It was zero seconds. So last year you done it in the sub one thirty was just phenomenal. I did. I had a great run so last year. I wasn't wasn't happy with my time this year, but it was kind of what I expected at the same time. Mm. Um I just don't feel like I've got I've had not that I've had distractions this year. It's been a busy year. I mean, we've got married. Well, you just moved into the house five weeks yes, ago. Yes, five weeks ago. Building. <laughs> um, you got married five weeks ago. Uh-huh, yeah. So you have. It's, it's fair to say you've had distractions. It as well. has. Like, it has been crazy. You know, three weeks later. Um. So after after your wedding, you went straight to Chamonix. We did. Um. You were racing in Chamonix. Yes. So every well, I say every year. It was um my third year going over to Chamonix this year. And I um, absolutely love it. It's the week of the Mont Blanc Marathon. And there are running events on from mm. there's a 10K. There's a vertical kilometre, which sounds as nasty as it is. There's a, ha- a they call it the cross. Uh, everyone calls it the half marathon, but it's actually 15 miles, 23K. Then there's a full marathon, which is the main kind of event. It's the... You know, it's the starstruck event that everyone wants to go yeah. and see. They have a lot of um, star-studded talent taking part in that one. Then they have the ultra marathon, which I think is ninety k. Um, so there's something for everybody. Uh, it's a br- fantastic. I can't. Oh, I can't go on about it enough. I absolutely love it. The place is like a postcard, and it's a runner's paradise. It's, it's amazing. I'm looking forward to that. You're <laughs> heading over. You have an event, don't you? Um, you have... Next month. 
next month. I agree, it's so CCC. Fantastic, what yeah, distance so is that? It's 100k. <laughs> so it's a long race, you're going to be out a long time, um, but that's okay. It's part and parcel, it's, am- like, yeah. it's brilliant, you'll, you'll love it. I, to be honest, I want to be fit enough to meet the time, the checkpoints, which I haven't looked at yet, I don't even know what that is. Like, so I'm just doing what I possibly can within my own control. Um, and I want to be fit enough to, to enjoy the race. But at the same time, I'm somebody who is, as cliche as it is, um, the journey to me is as important as the destination. So the amount of running I've been doing up in the mountains, like the Mom Wall, I'm going to do Seven Sisters in Donegal this weekend, the Seven Sevens. You know, you're doing those type of races because you've got that coming up. So I'm just really enjoying the journey and being up in the mountains as much as I can. You know, it's you can never be you can never be fit enough to you have to stop and look back and actually think to yourself there was a time when I would never even have dreamt mm. of running this distance and even just the ability like mountain run is incredible the ability to transport yourself from one side of the mountains to the other yeah. on foot in a short period of time with a lot of people looking at you like you have two heads because you're running in a pair of shorts and t-shirt on probably a crazy day with but it comes very very quickly you know if you if you if you're persistent or consistent, maybe mm-hmm. it's the right word. Like we did the Mom Wall. I've always wanted to do the Mom Wall on Saturday. <clears throat> I didn't even feel it, if I'm being honest. You know, I didn't feel any fatigue in my legs. Something I would love to do. Uh, you haven't done I've it? Never done it, no. <laughs> it's on the cards. I would love to have done it this week, actually, when Ricky was off. Um, but Sevens is coming up, and it probably wouldn't be the best idea to do it. So, what do you think was your fundamental difference between this year and last year? Do you think it was just that? There was nothing from a race perspective, it was just really race sharpness. Um, Did you make any errors, do you think, this year? No, in terms of just the season itself, so far? Um, just the race, I suppose. Uh, oh, Ch- Snowden, yeah. Snowden in particular. Um, I think it's just everything that's happened in the run-up to the race. I guess my season... It's only four minutes, like, it shouldn't be too hard. Four minutes is a lot. No, yeah. four minutes is a lot. If you'd beaten your time by four minutes, you yeah, would be yeah. absolutely... If you, let <laughs> yeah, someone run, if you let someone run away from you for four minutes. No, I think I lost three minutes on the climb um, and one minute on the descent um, this year. And that's the ringtone, the cows, by the way. cows in through the window. Um, I don't know. I, I can't really put my finger on it other than I just, it's just where I am at the minute. It's, mm-hmm. I'm just not in as good form as I was last year. Uh, and again, I think it's just kind of been a running theme this year. I, I kind of, my form peaked and, and dipped a little bit throughout the year, depending on how busy I've been. Um, just sort of relating to what you said I earlier on. I think it is on. just how busy I've been. I haven't, I haven't been able to... I missed a few training sessions, like literally I could count on one hand how many I've missed this year. But in the run up to the wedding, I missed a few and and there were times where maybe if I had a certain session today, I'd have to cut it by five minutes because I had to be somewhere and it was just difficult to fit everything in. I think I just haven't focused on my running. And then Ricky hasn't um, been competing this year. He was off for a while with an injury and he's just coming back. And that had a massive impact on me, mm. um, more so than I even realised, because he was my training buddy. And Ricky's so solid and consistent, and he had himself running at such a good level. Um, and going training with Ricky was, was brilliant, because when I wanted to go and sprint off 
and exert loads of energy because I felt good at the start of a training run. He would be the sensible one saying, Sarah, it's a long day, ease back. I would rather, you know, he would rather that I go into a, a good rhythm and and ran the entire thing than sprint off and slow down and, and you know he's very consistent he's a very strong runner and I miss the longer runs with him outside of my training run so outside of my training runs um, we would have been doing longer runs and, and Sunday runs with the club that we, I just missed this year I think mm-hmm. and just it's just it's not that I haven't had a good season I mean I've had some really good results and I've been I've been happy and there's been certain um, times this season that um, I've been really happy with my form. I think just the few months around the wedding has sort of yeah. hit me on the head a little bit. And I think we're dwelling on it a little bit. Like it was only five weeks ago. <laughs> so I know. It, does, I it know. takes so. And running is so much relating to your energy and your mental energy, yeah. and physical energy. That's it. But um, I wasn't sleeping. I was like, uh, yeah. I wasn't bridezilla, but I was. I was up late. I'm yeah. terrible. My night oil. I. One thing I wish I could change, I wish I was a morning person and I'm sure Ricky would second that because he is. Um, I'm a night owl and I, I am terrible at running in the morning. Terrible. I'd be the opposite. Like, I love the morning times, like half five in the morning. I'm jealous. I really honestly wish I, I could change my body clock. And so tell um, me what it was like then to run, slip a Northern Ireland vest on for the very first time. How did that happen? So the very first time, um, I started running under Ryan Maxwell's guidance um, in January 2018. And I think I raced, I got my first Northern Ireland vest. It might have been was it April, no, it must be March or April that year. So four months later. Um, it was Ryan that actually convinced me to put my name forward and I can remember being like, what, oh my goodness, like, I don't know if I can do this. And you'll be fine, you know, he, he's, he's always so encouraging and so motivating. Um, and he, he, I think he actually put my name down for me. I think he actually, um, I don't even know if he asked me, I think he knew what my, what my response, he knew me too well by then, he knew my response and I think he put my name down. Um, and... Then I got a message from Anne saying I'd been selected, and I was oh my goodness! It actually, it really motivated me to train really hard. Mm. Um, I was really excited. I was really nervous. What I did your family think? I probably didn't tell them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I, I didn't. I don't really tell them that much when it comes to running. It's really strange. It's. Uh, I guess. Yeah, I probably, did, I probably didn't tell them. Oh, Ricky was delighted for me. Mm. He was delighted, um, and he was even this. He was keen to get me in good shape, and he probably put his training to one side to come out and train with me, uh, and make sure that I was in, in good shape for the races. Um, I think it was we raced in Glossop. It was inter counties. Um, and yeah, yeah, it was inter counties. Um, I think it was March, April time. And it was oh, it just was amazing. I can remember getting the vest and getting the shorts. Uh, it was after a Hill and Dale race, and Anne had all the kit, and it just was a bit surreal. Like I can, I can remember feeling immensely proud to mm. get a vest. Um, it was quite a short period of time there as well. It was really. a really short period of time. You must be delighted yeah. for that. 
Um, you've mentioned writing so many times. Uh, how important, I know, sorry. But how important is that, though? Do you know what I mean? To have somebody to have your spouse being so supportive. It is important and fair play to anybody who comes to the races and doesn't have mm. that support there because it really does help. Even just for mindset. Like if I say, if I even have a negative thought of, oh my goodness, how am I going to do this race today? Or um, I don't know if I can do this. Or if I'm, I don't even know if I know where I'm going. If I didn't know a race route, Ricky would have me around it. If he thought I was nervous about a race like I'm lucky that he has knowledge of the mountains and that he's fitter than me and he's able to you know give me a run for my money help me with my training push me on encourage me you know he, he knows what it's like he's been there himself he absolutely loves the mountains I would I would easily say that he actually loves mountain running more than I do whenever I find things get tough I can very easily doubt my abilities and sometimes question why I'm doing why I'm doing it and you have to remind yourself mm-hmm. that it's because you love it and you, you do love it I mean the buzz you get after a race and just again being out in the mountains is incredible there's nothing better than having a group of friends and again building a group of friends continually because you're meeting new people all the time it's a very social scene isn't it oh it's yeah really social I just think the mountain running is is where it is I just think the crack is brilliant. Do you remember your very first race that you put in first then? Um, yeah, but it was my first ever race with Ryan. Um, so that was great because it was with Ryan. Yep. You know, he's taking yep. you under your wing, under his wing almost. Yep. And he sets you off and you, you win it. I did, yep. It was the, um, as far as I can remember, um, Moor Mountain Rescue race in Donard Park. It was the inaugural event. It's a five mile race. It's approximately five. I think it's around five miles. Um, Marsha. Great Hale little course. Marsha was there. Yep, she that's the first time I met Marsha. So Marsha, I did the skyline last year. She won it. Marsha, oh yeah, she runner. is a machine. A really phenomenal runner. She runs with a big smile on her face. She does, yes. Phenomenal runner and a great friend of mine now as well through the running, which is again why I love it. Um, really missed her this season. She's sort of taken a year out and still cycling and, and she's still running away and cycling away, but I've missed her competing this year, but she'll be back for def- for sure. She definitely will. I'll, I'll not let her not come back <laughs> but um would you catch up soon actually i must give her so a how did that feel then when in that race like were you thinking that there's a good chance of that you know she's a phenomenal runner i and think to be honest there's one thing i will say when i i didn't know who marcia was i didn't know that that lady that was racing with me was the same woman who i had earmarked during the wall jathlon the previous uh, October, previous October, and I didn't know Gillian Watson, who's also an incredible runner. Um, she Marie, Marie Trail might have been racing that day. There was lots of really good ladies, yeah. um, that I've raced against a lot since. Um, I didn't know any of them. I didn't know how good they were. I didn't know anybody, and that okay. massively helped me. Again, it's a mental thing where... There's no intimidation there at all. There was no reason in my mind why I couldn't beat them. 
because I'd been training really hard. As far as I was aware, I was training my backside off. I didn't know anybody that was training five or six times a week because it was all new to me. And I was putting every single ounce of energy into my training and my racing. I mean, if my warm-up was 20 minutes, I was, you were making sure it was 20 minutes and everything was done as, as well as I could do it and more. Because I just wanted to improve and, and impress my coach and and give it everything and I was really absolutely buzzing to get racing apps wetting myself at the same time but there was no reason I couldn't beat them because I didn't know who mm. they were and it wasn't until afterwards whenever I won I can remember the surprise on um Denny's mother's face another good friend of ours she was like this is like a mum to us she was delighted for me because she's more runners as well and I can remember running in and she was like kind of I think she was surprised um, at how I ran. So was I, to be fair. And because um, I didn't have any anything to eat, anything to, to go by. And um, I was delighted. I was thrilled. And I told Ryan and um, he was happy as well. And that kind of set the benchmark uh, from the word go. He knew what you could do then. So he was like, okay. The training, <laughs> that, I was my own, that, you know, if you do well in a race, your training gets harder, you know, so... Not in a bad way. It definitely did push me um, a little bit at a time to see how far I could go, which was brilliant. Like, What's been your most rewarding race that you entered? I would say Snowden last year. I just, I just peaked at the right time. Because you were the 11th. I was 11th, 11th overall. It was first NI Lady Home. Um, and I managed to break um, the 130, which hadn't been done in a while. Um, that's phenomenal though isn't it like when you reflect back on that yeah no you know, I love it's such it. a strong team of international runners oh, we have we have amazing runners the, the ladies this year the talent has just yeah. gone through the roof and the men as well the new men and women on the scene but there is something about female racing at the minute that they seem to be they're catching up oh and yeah overtaking, especially in a lot of the longer endurance races mm-hmm. um, I don't know what the reason behind that is Maybe they're just getting out more and telling the men you can That's stay at it. home. Um, <laughs> but they really are now pushing the scene, aren't they? They are, uh, especially the local scene. It's been great to see. I mean, Anya McCann has come back onto the scene this year. She raced international when she was a junior. Took a few years out and she's come back. And it's been so lovely to get to know her. And it was strange because I guess there was that much of a gap between... Um, I mean, Esther was ahead of the field this year and I found myself kind of in no man's land for a little bit and racing against some of the guys and all of a sudden Anya came along and she's so talented and so speedy and it's actually been great to have somebody push you on in a race that you're in. It's it's a really good feeling to have. You'd rather compete against really talented people and it motivates you to improve and it's been so lovely getting to know her and everybody's improved this year though. Everybody has. It's been really strange. It's been, yeah, well, I know everybody's, what everyone's doing. I want to know all their training. I want to know what they're eating. I want to know how many hours of sleep they get at night. It's, no, it's been brilliant. The men and the women. I mean, there's some incredible men that have come on the scene this year too. Even even the guys again, like last year, um, Johnny Scott and um, and Timothy Johnson, who both run for Morn Runners, they both had international vests and, and raced at Snowden. And they're both, they're both just improving every time they race. And you just wonder, will it stop? Like, 
but it's 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 brilliant. There's no, I don't think there's a ceiling there. I honestly just think it's time, the effort, is a, patience. The Mons is a, an amazing training ground though, isn't it? Yeah, no, everyone it's is. It's building all these amazing runners. It's been a really great year for um, the local scene. Everyone, all these Have you got one big there. target, one big goal, or one big race that you would like to enter? Or is um, it more of a position or a place? Like Zach, for example, he wants Snowden. He will, <laughs> he, he, will he will get Snowden. Um, funny, I raced in Chamonix this year, I done the 23k for the first time and it was right in the middle of a heat wave. It was 35 degrees during Jeez. the race. I've never raced in anything like it. It was exhausting. Um, I actually had a really good race, really enjoyed it and came away, I think I was ninth, ninth yeah I was ninth, ninth wow. lady. But I, I reckon I could give that a good rattle. A better rattle. I don't think I was just in the form to really compete this year how I would like to. So I think next year I would really like to give it a really just step it up a gear and really focus on on that distance, fifteen miles, because someone said, Oh, you'll have to try the marathon next and I thought, No. No, I haven't finished with this this distance Mm. yet. Um I think I could give it a much better go. And then two weeks later it's Snowden. So I'd like to be in the this time next year, I would like to be in really good form to, to race really well at, in Chamonix and um, okay. at Snowden. Because the two of them are right next to each other as yeah. well, aren't they? Just yeah. to peak at the right time. Mm-hmm. Sarah, thanks very much. We're going to have to let Ricky back in. God love him. I know, he's, he's outside somewhere. <laughs> it's starting to get dark outside. We kick Ricky out of the house. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Another great episode in the mountains. Sarah's a lot of potential and I believe her competitive side will continue to surprise people in the future. Good luck to everyone competing in the Seven Sisters this week. I hope to see you there. Until next week, stay safe and keep on moving.